welcome to the Belper Beer Club podcast. We're four intrepid beer explorers from Derbyshire, and we thought it was about time we put out a podcast. And here it is. My name's John. My name's Sean. I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. In our first episode of 2024, we welcome Nick from Steam Machine and Newt Naycliffe. He talks about their new and innovative subscription model, the Fellowship of Beer, Barrel Aging and lots of more. Welcome, Nick, to, to the podcast. Uh, we're just going to do a little intro about about the brewery as, as we know you, and then we'll ask you uh, a lot more detail about uh, the ethos and how you operate and, and things like that. So, based in Newton Aycliffe, County Durham, Steam Machine, founded in 2015, uh, have developed a reputation for exper- experimental, diverse, and very drinkable craft beers with a few extras thrown in. We can't wait to find out about those extras. Um, it's the diversity and extra care that brought Steam Machine to the attention of the Belva Beer Club. Um, Saison, West Coast, Lambic, uh, Barrel Age Programme, uh, Miles, Brown Ales, they're all in the range. Um, and now they've launched their Fellowship of Beer, which we'll find out more about later. Um, Nick, please can you introduce yourself and tell us about yours and Steam Machine's journey to date? Oh, I'd be delighted to. So, yes, I, I'm Nick. I am the co-founder, co-director, head brewer, chief bin emptier, everything else in between at Steam Machine Brewing Company. Um, the, the journey of Steam Machine kind of starts with me being a naughty boy at university um, back in about 2004, 2005-ish. And um, I had to resit a year. And when I was resitting a year, I didn't have the the money that I didn't have access to the money that I I'd had in other years. Um, and so my favorite pastime of drinking beer was kind of put on the back burner um, until I decided us to learn how to homebrew. And so it kind of initially went through the like a lot of homebrewers journeys or every homebrewers journeys and mm. um, making something alcoholic to wouldn't it be nice if this was drinkable to I wonder if I can make something like the kind of beer I like to drink actually and then it kind of elevated to I want to make beer that I've never tasted before I want to you know they, they, at this time in England it was very hard to get um there was certainly no or very few speciality beer shops there was there was there was none in the north of England really um and so your options were, you know, this is harkening back to the to the old days <laughs> that um, your your choices, if you were lucky, were mass produced, um, f- sterile filtered English bitter, such as John Smith's bitter, or you would have Diageo Guinness, um, various macro produced lagers. And if you were lucky and you were at a real ale pub, you would have mainly have English bitter and of varying degrees of quality. Um, because I was in the Northeast, uh, things like Milds were, I don't think I really saw one outside of like Camera Beer Festivals and things. Um, Stouts on draft and strong winter warmers you would expect to find at Christmas. And that was the most exciting time of year because the Cascales, you know, looked different and they had strong numbers such as 5% on them, you know, (laughs) dizzying heights of 5%. Um, and so my, my my journey became because I, I was mainly learning how to brew from um, some early American homebrew forums. 
and um accessed you know that books were few far few and far between and i probably couldn't afford books anyway um and so i was learning how to homebrew from discussing things with people in homebrew shops and online from american from american homebrewers and um so it it was quite interesting reading what Americans were wanting to brew. People like wanting to brew clones of Newcastle Brown Ale while I was sat at Newcastle at University. Really? But, you know, they, they would discuss other beers, such as like Trappist beers and stuff like things that I'd never heard of. And it kind of got me thinking, OK, well, if I start following these recipes, I'll be able to try brew some beers that I pre I, I do not I cannot get access to. I cannot taste them. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the journey kind of developed further, which would be, wouldn't it be nice if I made beer that no one's ever tasted before? I want to create new types of beer. I want to um, tap into my other hobby, which is foraging and utilize wild ingredients and things like that into the beer so that we can have a myriad of flavors. So fast forward from not being a naughty university student to being a a professional science teacher, mainly chemistry. And um, I ended up in the Channel Islands in uh, in Guernsey. So that was where, where I was a young professional. And I met my beautiful wife, Gulen, who was, um, a, who was one of four Turkish people on the island. She was visiting one of the other Turkish people on the island. And we met and we fell in love. And she homebrewed with me and she, she, she loved it. She really enjoyed doing it. She comes from the far east of Turkey originally, where they, they do everything by hand, you know, they... They bake their own bread. They make their own yogurt. They make their own cheese. They um, they have a wild fermentation of barley blocks that they bake on roofs as uh, to store barley for winter. That ends up tasting like the best way I can describe it is a lambic cracker. Really, and you can rehydrate this into a soup that tastes like a lambic soup, or you can just eat it as a sour cracker. And so, like things like fermentation and. Um, things like w- weren't weren't strange to her, so she, she really took to it. Um, when her visa ran out, we we went travelling, and we we spent over a year travelling Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, um, and we 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 lived in a car together in Australia for about a year, which is quite a long time to live in a car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which get to know each other really well in those circumstances. Was it was in the state at least? Surely it was in the state. It, it was yeah, it was a big estate car. So they have um, it was basically like a one of our. It was a Ford Falcon station wagon, they called. Which, if you imagine a a Focus estate, okay, on steroids. That's kind of like what it is. It's a four liter engine that just goes straight, and it has enough room in the back for a mattress. And uh, yeah, we had a little camping cooker. It was great. But while we we're out there, we were visiting all these vineyards, and I think Australia was ahead of the UK in terms of coming across these this how do you say like almost kind of like gentrified movement or like small independent family businesses whether it's cafes or restaurants or Mm -hmm. you know just little quirky things happening and nowadays we're really lucky you you see people doing like the street food or you know an artisan cheese maker and things like that but I, I think it was far more noticeable in places like Australia and New Zealand and um, we were seeing all these cool places like vineyards and tasting the wine and thinking, wouldn't it be nice if we could do something like this ourselves, but on the theme of beer? And um, when we got back, we kind of set that plan into motion. And it, having no business experience, either of us, um, we kind of it took a few years to get off the ground. 
and you know we 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 tasted some great beer while we were out there in Australia in New Zealand um and mm-hmm. um at the same time that kind of craft beer movement was burgeoning really in the UK so you had Brewdog had started Magic Rock had started Beaver Town had started yeah. and it was like oh look these are the type of things we want to do that they're, they're brewing beer that no one's had before mm-hmm. um and so we we got practicing our home brewing seriously and kind of try to formulate a business plan and then gave up our jobs and our lives and moved to the northeast of england where i'm from um and um then eight nine years later here here we are still 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 going it's uh it, it we the first building we had was very small um and lots of things went wrong obviously like as you can imagine um and we quickly kept on having to increase our output um and then when we opened up our tap rooms which wasn't you know tap room is a bit of a stretch really we had yeah. two tables and we the brew kit was on wheels and we wheeled it aside at the weekend like a and lot of have... breweries do these days actually they you know it's, it's working it's a working brewery bar the weekend they have to get everything out and then come monday they put it all back to to be a practicing brewery again and why not and and to be honest that's still the way we operate really just on a, on a bigger scale um we're, we're now in our third premises it, it has grown it has escalated um we have um the brew kit we have is marbles x brew kit okay. with a few extra fe's from red willow that we picked up along the way um and some ex repurposed dairy tanks it's our it's our third kit that we've kind of like scaled up to everything that we do is like second hand and on a budget mm-hmm. and you know one man's treasure and all of that kind of thing is like everything everything is being donated or you know pilfered or found in a skip well, you That's mentioned two good breweries there marble and red willow you know they don't throw out rubbish beers so the fact that you know they it was good enough for those guys i'm sure it's more than good enough for you guys as well Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and if if ever I was to write a home brewing book, it would be like how to brew on a budget because I've, I'm like, you know, if you if you can't brew in a bucket, you don't deserve to be brewing on big fancy stuff with spunding valves and all sorts. You know, I'm very much a believer. Like, you know, some of the best breweries in the world um, are really basic in terms mm. of in terms of you know you see these amazing Belgian breweries and stuff like that. they're really basic in terms of what they're doing is just essentially big pans with fire underneath them you know so um, that is my mantra my mantra isn't to sell silly money if you you've got to be creative and there's always a way to do things and i would happily brew on any kit and there's 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 a kind of budget entry level kit that people kind of always complain about in the the brewing scene and um, they're those pine clad ones you see from time yes. to time yeah they're called dave and, porter are they is that yeah, yeah so so they're, they're made by a gentleman called dave porter and his company and i've collaborated on breweries using them i've brewed on them with other people and there's, there's nothing to them you know it's, mm. it's like get creative guys you know yeah you know, brew with what you've got and be be thankful that you're doing it is kind of my mantra is my I guess, motto. I guess for some breweries it's a, it's a limitation of space so they're quite efficient with kind of what equipment they can fit in so I guess I guess if, if you've got loads of space I guess it doesn't overly matter then does it in terms of what sort of kit you can get you know if you're missing loads of height it doesn't matter so much if you've got the floor space to kind of accommodate it and yeah well actually our kit because it came from marble it was in their old brewery that was under a railway arch and it was all like 
um, uneven and the floor breaking up and, you know, like metal stainless steel pads of different heights to pad out the tanks so that oh, they right. stood upright. Fortunately, we've got flat ground, so quite easy to quite easy to install. Um, one thing we did invest in, but from scrap, just so you understand, uh, <laughs> we're quite close to 3M factory and um, the, the, the there's a fabrication company just opposite us, our neighbours, and they'd ripped out like a, a big massive fire escape and I'd gone to see them about building a gantry just because I wasn't kind of happy about not to, you know, I'm sure Marble's health and safety is up to scratch, but it was a direct flame kettle and they were like hopping on um, a stepladder over the flame okay. to put it in. And I was like, I don't quite fancy doing that. I think I'll, like, if I can't, I'll get So our neighbours kindly built us a gantry from scrap metal and just charged us labour. Wow. And we have a beautiful gantry that goes right between our vessels. And some of those vessels are high, right? So, and some of them, especially the uni tanks, like dry hopping into them and stuff mm. like that, it's, it's like on a ladder, I just do, just, I just didn't fancy it. So I'm very grateful that we've, uh, that we've carried on building away. So in, in terms of the bees themselves, we um my, my as I was saying, my, my love of beer has always been, you know, creating those new flavors and tasting things that I've never tasted that people have never tasted before. Um so when when we launched back in 2015, we launched with a California common lager, a double IPA of 9.6%, and an Earl Grey infused kind of pale ale of about 6.5. It's like an, a kind of amber IPA. Mm -hmm. um, called afternoon tea and it's the afternoon tea is still the most requested beer that i've ever people who come to our tap room rose ask where is it bring it back bring it back you're like okay guys you know yeah it's like I, I don't particularly care about untapped but it doesn't it never it never scores very highly on that but it's interesting that that's the beer which always gets requested the most that's interesting um, yeah i think just the caffeine the radics that's what it is <laughs> but um so and, and the mission has never has never changed from that. The mission has always been, okay, how can we create an eclectic list of beers? How can we create this diverse palette of flavors that everyone can enjoy? So there is something for everyone, um, and it doesn't become generic. Because those times when I was at university, you know, a young man learning how to drink, my choices were were very poor. Even you know, in the Cascale pubs, it was ten English bitters. If if there was ten. 10 casks on yeah. um and i do think the uk craft scene perhaps in the last few years has been a little bit in danger of um a kind of monotonous kind of sinking in the popularity of the the hazy new england type ipas you know i have visited some tap rooms where they had some big popular tap rooms where they had on eight ipas uh, and that was it and it was just subtle nuance between and that's their thing that's 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 what they're aiming for but for, it kind of made me double down on on our mission of showcasing how diverse beer can be that's why you know our tap list today we have um we have a uh, we have one of our best-selling beers it's always on on draft is some kind of pilsner and um, the current one is made with beautiful coastal imported magnesium rich german pilsner malt uses classic um halatal mittel hops it's fermented with a weihein steffen lager strain it's lagered for three months which is an eccentrically long time yeah and then it's served from fresh from a tank through a czech side pot tap so it knocks some of the condition you end up with a beautiful fluffy head so that's on draft we have a sour beer that's um, a mixed fermentation beer, one that's been bretted, one that hasn't. Um, 
we have an imperial stout that's been barrel aged in a rum barrel. We have um, some a very low session IPA. We have a, we have a tap mild about to go on. We have um, a double IPA collaboration, and and various other things. But but like there's always something that we want there to be able to tick a box for someone who comes in and says, "Oh, I'm not sure what I want," and it's like, "Okay, we'll find something for you. We'll we'll work our way through." I tell you, Nick, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, the number of times when even even it's been like autumn time or November time, you've gone into a, into a, into a, a pub and or bar and, and you see yeah, a hazy pale. Maybe, maybe the most exotic might be West Coast or something. That might be uh, the most extreme version. And, and yeah, you just you just want yeah, you just want to be trying because a lot of people drink craft beer, want to try a do because they want to try new things. But I was going to say, do do you think your your background in chemistry has really helped? In, 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 yeah. in terms of your knowledge of, of just the brewing process and, and that. I think so. So, like, um, I signed up, like, uh, the University of Oklahoma were offering free chemistry brewing courses, like, years and years ago, this was. And it was in, it was it was a lot of hard work. And I was a full-time science teacher at the same time. You had to, like, pay at the end of it if you wanted to be if you wanted some kind of qualification for it, or you could use it as like university module credits on like yeah. for viewer. But I, I was just, I just wanted to learn. And so, so I did it. And, um, and so I think understanding the science, understanding the, you know, the, the chemistry, the biology, you know, and even the physics of brewing is, is extremely important for anyone to be a good brewer, but not to be limited by it at the same time, because, quite a lot of quite a lot of brewers I speak to that they, they they will have heard something and then that's set in stone for them they'll do something they'll follow a process oh because that's the way that it's always being done and you know six years ago we didn't know what hop creep was we knew that you know dry hopping with certain varietals will actually um carry on a fermentation that the beer's gravity will drop further than you think it was so people were packaging beers high in hops such as mosaic um and there was an enzymatic process happening, which actually meant the beer was 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 still active. The beer was still mm-hmm. fermented with all these can bombs and bottle bombs and stuff. And and people were like, "Well, there's no such thing." And, and, and anecdotally, people were saying, "Well, there's there's something happening here. There's something happening." And it, scientists later on came and said they did the research on it, and they said, "Okay, there's something here. There's, we're, we're, the fermentation is creeping further. There's something happening." from the hops and and you know that's how science works science is everything's built on the shoulders of giants right and so i i kind of do take that scientific approach but i've always um liked to think of myself as a very creative individual and so for, for me science is my kind of color palette as an artist you know and i i love cooking as well and choosing flavors and how things work i think is just as important like like visualizing how you want that beer to taste and then back engineering from that, um, using using the science to to say, okay, well, how can we get there? Why don't if I do this? Um, and so my 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 mind is constantly abuzz with things like fermentation um patterns or temperatures, you know, how are we gonna boost more esters? Are we gonna what's our pitching rate gonna be? What's mm-hmm. what are we gonna cook out of the yeast if we do it this way? Um, and reading absolutely everything on it and speaking to everyone I possibly can um to, to just carry on learning and being a brewer you know it's 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 the dunning-kruger effects when when you when you're an amateur you you think the field playing field's this big but when you're a professional you realize that the playing field is so much bigger yeah. and there's so much more 
left to learn. And people phone me up on a, on a weekly basis from other breweries, okay, which is really humbling and flattering. And they're asking for assistance or they're asking for for advice and stuff. And then then I'll go. Is read that where some... something's gone wrong? <laughs> something, yeah, something's gone wrong. Usually, if something's gone wrong, I'll phone the phone Nick, or you know, or it might just be advice on a certain a certain ingredient or advice on on a recipe or something. And that is truly humbling. Um, but you know, th- then I'll read something and I'm like. And, it, and it'll just make me realise I know so little sometimes <laughs> at the same time. You know? so, and we're all guilty, I think, of uh, sometimes having an, a feeling that we have the, we're an imposter. It's like someone's going to find out. I'm just blagging this, you know. I mean, that's quite reassuring. You know, craft beer is probably seen as kind of a bit of a luxury in the, in, in the, today's market. The fact that it's been curated and thought over as much as that for your beers, you know, is, is quite reassuring that I can I can really get into that. You know, you hear stories of, breweries putting together beers by things that are lying around well that doesn't inspire you to think well i want to try that beer because yeah it might be okay no that's that, that, that's well yeah that's music to our ears um, yeah but, I, I know I'm, what you mean i'm, I'm quite intrigued because when when you look at uh, a lot of your beers the the um i was interested in what i guess what you're saying in terms of thinking what a beer would look like i, I recently had the um, um i can't remember, can't remember what it's called but it's the rioca and and chocolate um uh beer um i think it was just called red wine and chocolate yeah i think it was yeah i think red wine yeah. absolutely absolutely brilliant i know untapped doesn't matter but it was a, it was a big massive 4.5 million it's an amazing beer um but when when you brew beers like that you know very unusual combination how confident are you that it's it's gonna taste like how you envisage it's gonna taste like because because it was wonderful, and and it was. I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess anyway, to describe was was like having a nice rocker and and then a wisp on the side or something. I don't know, it did, but it was it was amazing the flavors. But I, I just the confidence you have in terms of knowing what it's going to be like. It must be. Are you pretty good at that now? I, I yeah, and I think that's experience, you know, because we have been going since two thousand fifteen. It's. I would say we get it. The, the frequency of getting it right to what we envisaged is far higher now than I sometimes earlier on things happened correctly accidentally and it was like oh oh that that was really nice it wasn't meant to be like that but I really mm-hmm. like it so and I think because we've and and I think because we don't have a core range and about a year into to to our brewing journey, we decided to ditch having a core range, um, and that really, and and some people will say, okay, well that makes you a bad brewer because you're not good at consistency. I think it's made me a better brewer because it means I'm constantly creating something new, and and I and I know what has worked previously, and so everything I'm doing is building upon the practice of every other recipe that I've ever created, and. Um, you know, and 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 the reason I don't have a core range is because if you have a core range, you're kind of saying, that's it, it's perfect. I would never say any of our beers are perfect. And I, you know, I will always, always be tweaking it next time, even at even our lager. Next time I brew it, I will be increasing the amount of chip malt. That's it, you know, it's a really it's quite an undermodified or lowly kilned um barely worthy of being called a malt but it adds more protein it'll add more it should add it should aid a bit of clarity and it should also add like a a lot more head retention and increase the form 
Um, and I use it a lot in my beers these days. And, you know, just things like that. I'm just always, I'm always very self-critical of the beer and thinking, okay, well, what can we do differently next time? How can we improve that mm. for, for the next iteration of it? Um, and so that's why I'm kind of like, don't want to call range. And so, so yeah, your questions, your quest, questions, interesting. Um, how do we, how do we get to that point? And um, it is just built off off the experience of everything before, and 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 the the kind of there is always going to be a risk element, but I roughly know what the outcome is going well, to be. Well, kind of I'm a, quite a usually leading, very confident of what the outcome is going to be. There's kind of a leading versus following kind of element to this, isn't there? You know, yeah, exactly. If, if you've seen someone put tonka beans in a stout, then you're quite safe to go with that. Um, yeah, which is one way of looking at it. But you're looking at it in a slightly different uh, viewpoint. Yeah, and you know sometimes, especially when when we're barrel aging beers, um, so that it will have like a base beer, and it's incredible seeing how different it, it changes. So, I think you said you have the Blackbeard's Birthday yeah. quadruple. That's actually the same batch of stout that the red wine and chocolate was. Okay. So, the you, but they've been in two different barrels and one was packed full of like raw cacao nibs and the other on the red, on the Rioja barrel. And actually it took a lot longer to get the flavor out of it. And it's cause it's a big beer. And I think wine, wine barrels are harder to work with because the, the, the it's kind of sometimes a subtlety they impart. So it needed a lot longer um, than the rum barrel. Whereas the rum barrel was like a bit more rock and roll. It was like, yeah, I'm in a rum barrel. It's like, oh. <laughs> And we added like rum spices to that, and we added um, we added like golden sultanas to it, and aged it on on that in the barrel. So the, there was things happening in there that were affecting the base beer, um, that just you know both of them lent 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 magic to it really. Uh, so yeah. I mean, the first time we came across your beers, Paul um, got your beers in for one of our beer nights. So I think we had three or four big bottles, didn't we, that you brought? And one of the things I remember standing out from me was you had a beer that was an imperial honey mild. And that just blew my mind in terms of how could you have an imperial mild? Mm. Obviously, I subsequently know that mild is a young beer, but um, it, it, well, it tasted delicious. But it just it blew my mind that you could even have an imperial version of a mild. Well, funnily enough, I, the, it, it was a book which is up here. Right. He's reaching up. He's reaching up to a, a shelf full of down. beer books. So there is a, a beer historian called Ron Pattinson, and he has a blog called Shut Up About um, Barclay Perkins. And um, he has been around for quite a while. He is um, he's a very interesting. He's a very interesting chap, and really what he is... What he does is he crunches numbers on old recipes and he'll publish recipes on his blog, um, you know, every seemingly every day. And he's quite active on Twitter and he'll just talk about beer history and old recipes and the changes from year to year. Now, I, I love this book. This is this is I've got loads of his books, but this is the Homebrewer's Guide to Vintage Beer. And it's it's wonderful at busting myths such as Scotch Ales were originally IPAs from Edinburgh. 
That's mm-hmm. it. There was no smoked malt. There was no crystal malt or anything. 100% pale beer, highly hopped. The same as a, a an Burton IPA and stuff like that. His book's just full of like little nuggets like that. And there were some recipes in there for, for some imperial milds. And, you know, in the Victorian era, milds just meant beer that was fresh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stock ale was, was beer that was aged away. And you could now... You, Lower BV beer is better at being drunk fresh than being aged away. And strong beer is better at being aged away than it is fresh. And so the distinction of kind of like your stock ales to barley wines and your low ABV mild beers comes from that. Um and but there were some recipes in there for uh, there was a couple, and one of them that comes to mind was the Truman's uh, Imperial Mild. Now, some of these recipes, like a lot of um, late 1800s and early 1900s recipes, they use brewer's invert sugar as part of the grist, which is like a really light, basically watery caramel made of made of sugar. Yeah. Um, we had access to about 60 kilogram of beautiful honey from South Durham honey from a, a guy called George, who's who's a, a regular at our tap room, and he his um his bees rove around, you know, the lovely the 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 rivers and you know along the meadows he sends some up to the moors and they're on the heather and stuff you know the county durham is quite a, a diverse mm-hmm. landscape and he has little he has his hives everywhere he'd um he had unfortunately he'd uh he'd slightly burnt his honey while he was heating it up and and it was darker than he wanted it to be not burnt at all like there was no smoke flavor or anything but for him this product was ruined to anyone else, it just tasted like the most amazing honey caramel in the world. <laughs> and he was like, was like, I'm going to take this to the skip if you don't want it. I'm like, you what? It was like 60 kilogram of honey. And I was like, I will find something to do with that. And so that that's how, and, and these old recipes, they all use elegant British hops, which have, you know, floral qualities like Goldings and things. And so I thought, well, a lovely, gorgeous floral honey is going to complement those Goldings notes, and um, so that's where that recipe was inspired by. It was, it was a gift of honey that had to be used, and um, a want to do something that probably hasn't been brewed for a long time. Well, it was a, it was a triumph, and um, it made us want to have one of those big bottles of one of our curated beer nights. So we host a curated uh, beer night in a bottle shop, and I think we had is it the. Um, was it the Appalachian Trail we had on? And you kindly did a video for uh, for it um, of, of you, of some tasting notes of it, which we shared with the group that were kind of there over the couple of nights. And as soon as they saw the video, they all went and bought the beer. They all went and bought the beer. On top of what we were tasting, they all went and all bought the beer just because it, it just felt it was so warming and yeah, it was so heartfelt that they kind of felt that they wanted to kind of uh, pay it back, I suppose. So no, oh, no, hats, hats off to you. So... We've got 10 minutes to go before we need to renew this. So I guess quite quickly, could we, can you say where the name Steam Machine actually came from as a, as a kind of concept? I think, I mean, it's so long ago now. <laughs> um, yeah. we, we were looking for something that would represent uh, Northeast industrial heritage. And um, actually in Aircliff is where uh, the locomotion was first assembled on the Darlington to Stockton um line as it were so it's always known as darling and stockton but it was actually assembled at a, a minor part of the track in in aircliff just outside of aircliff village 
Um, and then it was dragged by horse down to Darlington, and then it was off it goes for this 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 triumph of a you know race, as it were. So we wanted kind of something to represent that. So the name Steam, just the name Steam was around for a lot longer than the machine, mm-hmm. and I think we went through a lot of words, and then I think I found reference to like steam, like steam engines used to be called, was an old word for them was steam machine, yeah. in in America perhaps, um, and I, it just kind of rolled off the tongue, and then we're like steam machine, yeah, we'll we'll have that, we'll take that, we'll keep that one, and and that's that was it really. Oh, very good. Right. Should, yeah. should well, I mean, we've got a couple of seconds. I, I, I'm just going to say, because going from the name, I think that um, just just the, the design, the, the 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 bottle art, and then just the shape of the bottle that, that you have, it really, really helps make it stand out when when you do see your beers in bottle shops and things. It's great. The, the, the whole package is, is really quite impressive. It's not often we sell to bottle shops, actually, and um, you know that's that's I guess that's the journey we've been on as well. Is um, oh, we've been on like a, a bit of like a strange inverse graph of as we've got bigger, the fewer trade accounts um we, we have. And we used to be a hundred percent trade when we first started. We didn't have a license, um, and you know that changed after the, I guess the first six months. And as the tap room has grown and as the steam machine has grown into this kind of quirky, beery visitor attraction with its own restaurant and loads of live music and community stuff happening, um, the the sales stuff has, has, you know, not been something I've kept up with and I don't have a salesperson. And, and that kind of gives a sense of exclusivity, I think, and... Um, it's far more rewarding for us to interact directly with our customers, whether it's, you know, like with you, we sent sent that video for that taste evening. That's that's a chance to direct, directly interact with the consumer. That's that's far more appealing than chasing down missing kegs mm-hmm. and chasing down lost payments. You know, we went into COVID kind of down. People weren't paying us for the stuff that they had. And there's some people who still haven't paid us for that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's like it's 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 kind of soul destroying me like you know what? I've, I've put so much love and effort into every single beer we're producing and it's just like someone's just pissed it away or they've, they've left it in the cellar for six months i've forgotten about it and it's like or someone it's been buried away at a bottle shop because someone had something new and exciting in and or, or they're selling stuff that's out of date and and it's like whereas if we if we're about us as a destination people drink it fresh from 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 draft or the the bottles which you know we we kind of had a bit of a change up this year as well in the last few years as well about kind of steering away from canned ipas um and and canning our lagers and things and saying no if you want those they're best enjoyed on draft fresh yeah. get it here if you want our special stuff like the barrel aged beers which can age away for years and years um then you know you can pick them up from the brewery or we'll send them to your door Courier well, that's, yeah, that's exactly right because we, we our, our local bottle shop that we sort of work with a little bit they said exactly the same they were looking for your ipa where's where's their core ipa obviously it doesn't yeah. exist in two four this it's not there uh so they were struggling to find you know a bunch of beers to get in uh for their shelves and uh, you know it's kind of chicken and egg obviously as you go the special small batch so i mean you know there's not gonna be a lot of it available anyway is there really 
Well, oh no, you know, we dictate by the, the the size of stuff we can get in a barrel as well. So really, it's like about four hundred and fifty bottles. Yeah, which which means that every everything's exclusive, everything's small. That's right. Um, I mean, that's exclusivity that we're kind of really vibing off, and yeah. you know, a lot of people. We hope to, not too many people get to know about it. All the none left for us. <laughs> you know? Exactly uh, right. <laughs> that, 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 well, I think that's a good point there, Paul. Because when when we did the, the the beer tasting night and we had the Appalachian Trail, um, it, it was really good because actually sometimes for for us we're trying to introduce. You know, there's some there's some quite certain drinkers of, around um, in in, in Belper, and so we're trying to find breweries that they've 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 not heard of or they've not not seen. They can't just go down into into bottle shop or, or can't you know see it on 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 keg or cask everywhere. But you've also got to, you know, you've also got to guarantee that that if if they're not known, if they, they've still got to be a really high quality, and and so that's where the Appalachian, you know, because it's hard if 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 no one's if you don't see those beers often, you know, is it because they're exclusive or is it because they're not they're not they're not good enough? So it's great to have the Appalachian Trail and have a steam machine ones because it ticked it ticked both those boxes of a being well all three boxes a being fantastic beer b being a brewery that you know most people hadn't hadn't got easy access to or don't see very often and and c being you know an exciting unusual style so it definitely i think was probably one of the the highlights of our our bottle nights i'd say yeah no, for sure I just, so 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 for me um it's kind of like you can get some really good decent ipas in supermarkets okay you can get some vocation beers, IPAs, you can get some Buxton IPAs, you can get some cloud water sometimes, and um, you get some Brewdog IPAs, tiers of staff aside, and I wouldn't <laughs> ever drink Brewdog, but you know. Um, well, my, my, my point is about the, the beer itself. And it's like, I think I can make a better IPA than they're putting into a supermarket. But at their price point, I, I, I think I can make a beer that may be 30% better than that. But my price point is going to be maybe three times that. So I don't think my beer is worth three times the value of that. I know we make amazing lagers, okay. And, and But Pilsner Urkel is for sale in the supermarket. Yeah. I can't justify selling my lager for three times the price of Pilsner Urkel for a can. And that's what I would have to have to sell for it. Because I don't think it's three times better than Pilsner Urkel. You know, like, how can you be better than yeah. Pilsner Urkel? Yeah, you know, it's that's an interesting one. We've done a we did a lager challenge one day, uh, and exactly that we compared, you know, Pilsner Urquell with with a craft and with a Billy Basic, and uh, we could tell the difference, but it wasn't of that magnitude, was it? So I think Pilsner yeah. Urquell still came out on top, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I can't can't beat a classic, mm. and, and that's that's why we don't produce an English bitter as well, really, especially not for like small pack often. Um, because you can get some, there's some some fantastic English bitters out there, and you know the likes of the likes of Theakson, especially when they're on draft, likes of Theaksons, likes of you know like whatever it is, and and it's like for us as craft, we would have to be selling that for so much higher than they can do in their volume and their structure. That there's a brewery north of us um, in Newcastle, and my, my friends a brewer of called Full Circle, and they make amazing hazy IPAs, but they 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 make them and sell them pounds cheaper than than every other craft brewery in the mm. area so they've got a big production facility mm. it's all automated and things like that so i can't justify making a canned ipa to sell you know yeah they do nice pizzas up there as well <laughs> yeah you know, it's screen for pizza in there isn't it i think yeah, or it was yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're nice. They're really good, good girls who want that company. That's, that's a good topic. We'll get onto your tap room maybe <clears throat> on the next part of the call. We really want to talk about this fellowship of the beer. I mean, it sounds like such an interesting proposition. Um, reading your website, it seems like saying that we feel that we've missed the boat. Tell me there's another opportunity for us to kind of sign up. What is fellowship? Yeah, of the beer? Absolutely. So um the the fellowship of beer is, is the tagline is why should brewers have all the fun? And I hope you've picked up and realized that I have a lot of fun and I love I love what I do. So I, I feel that the that subscription boxes kind of fill two categories. You have the the one that's from some kind of faceless company who is selling a quite a lot of outdated beers and stuff like that, or you know they'll keep you interested with a couple of surprises, but it's mainly stuff. As I'm sure we've all been gifted some of those beer subscriptions over the years. And the other ones tend to be either from breweries direct or from other companies curating it, where the, what we do um, is we we you pay your money and then you get a box from us, a mystery box from us, and it's like, look how clever we are. We made this delicious beer for you. And, you know, it's it's kind of like everyone loves a mystery and everyone loves a surprise, and that's that's how they work and that's how they're good. What what we wanted to do was 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 give people a third choice, which was to actually actively involve a small community um to dictate the beers that are being brewed and you know to join in with that um and we we kind of tentatively opened up to 100 founding members in late november and we sold out those 100 memberships in 25 hours which was which was wow humbling which was wonderful um that community those 100 founding members i i, I kind of used them to um to help dictate what the fellowship of beer would be okay how what's the frequency of the box how many beers are going to be in it what kind of abvs what, what what can you afford these these type of questions um and you know from those answers we now know that the fellowship of beer is going to be a subscription box that runs every other month you get 12 beers uh in there six of which um imperial strength um and the the fellowship of beer will have had a hand in in, in choosing those so i i pause they, these are going out so they, the members are getting polled okay they're getting polls and decisions they have to make and and choices and creative choices and sometimes we, we're running away with an idea so an easy one was to say to them okay we love strong beers here's a big list of imperial strength beers vote for your top three and so the, the votes came up as doppelbock uh, quadruple and a triple and um, dipper was in fourth place so i said okay right doppelbox are lagered they're going to take a little bit longer so they're not going to be in the first box yeah. um but we'll brew one anyway imperial ipa is a double ipa wonderful because we always need one at steam machines tap room anyway so why doesn't the fellowship of beer choose the style and the hops and things like that that are going to go into the steam machines draft double ipa and we'll also can it up and that can be your, your fourth cheeky bonus beer on there 
Um, I let them choose historic inspired beers. I gave them a list because they were talking about that on their forum. They were like talking about what beers from the days of audience. Like, as we were talking about the Imperial Mild, um, and so that they they really want a Victorian Mild to be brewed. So the books are out, and we're researching that. There was a conversation going on the forum about um, smoked beers. And, you know, again, traction, like, why, why, let's make a smoked beer. So I said, okay, let's do that. So the poll went out to them. Do you want us to make a smoked beer? Yes. Okay, what type of smoked beer? So there's various types of smoked beers. You can, you know, and we have experience making smoked porters. You could have a grogiskia, excuse my pronunciation, is a Polish oak smoked beer that's champagne-like. Or there's, you know, the the bamboo rauch beer, which is um, smoked with... Uh, beach malt usually and um then i said they they vote for the grogis gear but then i took the poll further and i said okay well what about if we smoked our own malt what about if we different woods impart different flavors uh you know we could use apple wood we could use birch wood you know we could use alder they they all produce different flavors and I, t- I gave them a bit of a breakdown based off some smoking books i've got i've got no experience in smoking um <laughs> stuff by the way so until today <laughs> until today um and so today like you say I've, I've been i've been smoking all the malt uh over birch wood so i converted an old keg with a lot of holes and i've put it above a stove in the garden and um my bleary eyes are just you know and everything's everything smells wonderful um <laughs> but uh, it's been a long day so it the, the last bit of it actually while we've been talking i've just kind of left it on left it on to die down the last the last little batch uh, and after this the later tonight I'll, I'll go put that in the hessian sack and then we'll leave it for a few weeks before we brew it all that came about be, because of this community and so the, like the three steps we uh, we say which are on the website is is like join the fellowship get get involved get creative and then enjoy unique beer and it's unique because no one else is going to try that beer just the fellowship of beer will, will have that beer so your question have you missed the boat no that's about 100 founding members um are in if they, if they want to stay in now they have decided the frequency of the box then you know so it might be to oh i forgot to say the pricing it was um it's 60 pound including delivery to anywhere in the uk but local people it's 50 pound and then that so that works out as either 25 pound per month or 30 pound per month okay. and you get a box every other month of 12 beers um and so you know we might lose a few members from that i might might they might say actually that is a bit steep for me um, but 90% of polled members found that to be really good value. Um, so we're going to open up the positions to another 150 people, um, more or less probably when this podcast comes out, actually, uh, by, by the end of by the end of January. So 150 people will get a chance to, to join the fellowship, and that'll be 250. So the first box, full box, is coming out in February of all the beers they've been voting on and dictating. And as soon as we've got those next 150 members, they'll be then involved in the polling for the box that will come out two months later in April. Um, and when we if, when we get to that stage, we'll open up the last 200 places and then that's 450 members and then that's it closed. And that 450 is kind of key because that's as many bottles as we get out of barrel. A lot of these beers are barrel aged. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that the, the fellowship have been voting on is, okay, which styles of beer 
do you want to age away in which barrels? And so they're busy looking at different barrels. And we, we, we're we speaking to Spaceside Cooperage really closely um, about getting some unique barrels um, that no one else has got to be able to, to, to age some, some beers in. And, and so, so for me, it's kind of like it, it, it brings people together. Like the, the little private forum is so interactive and engaged. You've got people, beer lovers from all over the country, from Cornwall up to the highlands of Scotland, who are like, wouldn't it be great if we made this? Look at this. I'm drinking this. Can we do something like that? And they're all like really engaged with it and excited. And that enthuses me as well, because it's not just me putting a product out there for people to be critical to or whatever and say enjoy this i know it's good you should think it's good too it's kind of like it's kind of like guys we made this together um and that that's that that's fun and you know we i do this job to have fun um and this just this i've found the whole thing i have a giddy step for the whole project you know like i i'm just smiling constantly every time I think about it, every time I log on or every time someone's asking questions or every time I, you know, spend a day doing something like this. But um, the scope for it in the future is not a case of like a beer box of a bigger brewery where they'll constantly be increasing that number. Like, like, like brew dog and Northern monk and Northern monk had their, their patrons project, I think, or, I think it was something else and and you had to and the, but they did carry on increasing increasing it until it just became like a little bit uh, I think people found it lost the magic. Mm-hmm. Um well you know ours is going to be really exclusive and it'll be a case of one person on one person off and if people have years that they can't subscribe then that's no problem the place will go to someone else and we'll have a waiting list for that. But but this gives us a chance as well to do things like group foraging. You know, we love putting wild ingredients in the beer. Well, I don't expect, you know, most of our members aren't going to be local, but if people want to come up and if people are local, they, we can have like elderberry or bramble picking you know, day and beer picnic. And, you know, we can have meetups. Um, I've got a collaboration lined up with Charles Farham, the 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 biggest hop UK craft hop producer and importer. And that they're, they're going to come and show us different hops, UK hops that and will brew an IPA with them that that the fellowship will vote on the different hops. And so we, we have a chance to do things like that as a society to have like meetups around the country and go maybe to see where the malt's produced and, you know, things like that, which and which I find really exciting. And, and I don't think anyone else is doing it as far as I'm aware. I don't think anyone else is. If you're going to arrange a coach trip to see malt, no one's doing that. You'll be surprised. But, but honestly, Nick, I mean I'm 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 not saying that this just because you're you're seeing on on this podcast with this, but that's probably one of the most exciting things that, that I've heard about in in, mm. in 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 craft beer for, for ages. I mean, and it's interesting because everyone's had um everyone's had beer subscriptions like I say either with these these big companies or, or direct with the brewery and they're great for a while but they, they after after a period of time they that brewery loses its it's I know not appeal as such but you you, you feel like you've, you've you've had their beer you've had their beers yeah, um, yeah. Where, whereas this is 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 everything is better if, if you you know if you can make and what you're doing here is you're 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 making the subscription not a transactional thing you're, you're making it like almost people become like I guess evangelical about it and, and be really bought into the to 
to be I hope so. that, that whole I, ho- I hope thing. so and, and yet yet the aim isn't to have you know evangelical kind of crusaders to to sell my beer elsewhere because I'm not interested in that I I'm interested in I'm interested in in yeah I want them to to be engaged and good but but it's it's a, it's about having fun and and it's about it, you know we're building our own community from scratch here yeah and you know that's that's exciting it is it's it's a it's a brand new thing um and I, I think probably we'll see more stuff like this happening um but you know it it, it can it's, it's it's a break from kind of consumerism in a way to it's the socialist in me kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's the... I, so, yeah. I, I, I want to see what Nick thinks of my idea about the NFL picks. I think that's good. Well, potentially, but uh, um, I mean, <laughs> what I would say, <laughs> what I would say is that um, it seems like you're the one brewery that could do this. You know, it feels like certainly hearing you speak passionately about it, you know, if, anyone wanted to be a, you know, a member of fellowship beer i feel like they're in safe hands under your guidance and, and you. the people that people that are under it so you know i mean if you want to talk about your draft you're more than well, no, I, I just thought it'd be fun because the, the problem is obviously we, we're all, we've all got um uh, subscriptions that that, that that we have and 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 sometimes it's it's um it's great having subscriptions but you don't want you know um there's only so much beer that you you want or probably should drink you know in a, in a given time and you end up so i was thinking before we came on air, I sort of said what we should do is is the four of us. We should, one of us should sign up um, and and become because we are really you know um, we really want to back you because we think it's a brilliant a, a brilliant project. And we think your beer is amazing. And then so if one of us got the beers in, then we we take it in turns of like an NFL pick. So Paul Paul would go first. The first box came in. Paul would, Paul would get first first pick on 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 the beers. Uh, and then I'd go second, and Sean third, and then John because he's not here would be fourth. Uh, and <laughs> then just and then sit the and drink time, the all together. Yeah, the, ne- the next time, the next time the uh, the box comes, it'll be someone else to get to get to do the pick first, and and uh, yeah, we will fight over the smoke beer. And uh, yeah, that's, that, that's just not gonna. Well, we'll see. But this I sounds, good. Sounds, yeah, I'm just gonna take the smoke beer. That's it. Sounds sounds good to me. We have we'll training um, afterwards. We, we do <laughs> have like couples of like like signed up like. You know that they're, they're there as a joint member, as it were, because they're going to get that box and they're going to enjoy and share all those twelve beers. The problem is there could be violence involved. That's <laughs> that's, that's the issue with four, four guys. So, um, well, but anyway, yeah, I, I mean, it's such a great idea. Into, yeah. I think we're all uh, totally supporting and behind it. Um, Thank you. I just obviously wanted to just talk about the the tap because obviously you, you mentioned it earlier. There's various styles of tap. You've gone from uh, smaller to larger premises, but from what we can see, you're really making this thing like a real community asset. Do you want to just explain a bit more about that? I saw Newton Aircliff is a post-war new town, um, and it, it's there's a little village where you know I kind of was split between um, Aircliff Village. There's there's a, a little village called school Aircliff, which has never had a school but that's another <laughs> that's another thing and there's an old village called wooden which was a medieval village and it's all kind of amalgamated in a great Aircliff. now historically it had a lot of working men's clubs and um there was like the there was the labor club the raff club the big club the big club's quite big that's uh that's why it's called the big club um you know and but pub wise there was only ever a couple 
in in Newton Aircliffe when it was built, and it, it's it's reasonable size of population. It's you know it's one of the biggest, um, it's one of the biggest towns in County Durham. The village, on the other hand, which is tiny, had three pubs, which was more than the whole of <laughs> of of the town, um, and so as it's grown, this town, it it's like it's almost like a weird suburbia. The town centre is is abysmal. It's owned by like big London consortiums and the rents are outrageous. So businesses tend not to last long. But we have a load of charity shops. Even before the high streets were dying, ours was ours was was dying well before theirs was yeah. just because it was I used to live in I used to live in Washington, um, which I don't know, is it very similar? Yeah, 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 reasonably, you know, like that kind of um that, those kind of grey concrete and yeah. stuff like that around Washington. Yes. Yeah, very similar really. Peter mm. Lee, if you ever went to Peter Lee, yeah. Peter Lee and Newton Aircliffe were made to the same town plan, more or less. <clears throat> and so as it's grown into this suburbia type place, it's become a bit of a commuter town. Um and the, the, there isn't really much for people to do in the town itself. And so people tend to go out to other places. They'll go to, to Darlington, where the cinemas are, and there's lots of restaurants. Got, like, next to no restaurants in the whole of this town. It, it, it's a strange, bizarre system. Or people will go to Durham, the beautiful historic Durham, which is only, <clears throat> you know, a few miles up the road. Or people will go to Newcastle. And so what we found is we actually gave people a home to be a regular you know we gave people a local pub as it were where they'd never had one and so we, we had people who were when we first opened who we would see their faces three times a week even if they were just coming for a, a single beer and they hadn't had a local pub for 20 years and it's uh, since they'd moved here from somewhere else and suddenly they had somewhere so so it was it it grew from around that and really everyone got behind us. And I think I think the town was very like a lot of people from the town were very proud that Newton Aircliffe had something that was, you know, becoming nationally recognized and was a success story, as it were, in an otherwise um big industrial town. And also, which became a tourist attraction. So we like various lists on TripAdvisor, we become like one of the top things to do in County Durham bizarrely <laughs> and so it is it's it, and people would be shocked that that we had international tourism that the tap room it's like oh hi I'm Jeff I just come here like after walking my dogs like three days a week and suddenly I'm talking to someone from Russia mm. uh, someone from America who's this Italian and it's people like United Nations you know as, as of, 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 of beer visitors and so we, we it anyone who comes in and um, it's our intention to give people a, a great experience. And so, like, I, I always I always tell our small team, you know, if we're giving people great beer, great food, a comfortable place to sit and a warm welcome, that's like, that's our baseline. That should be the baseline at all. We don't have a hospitality background. Um, I briefly worked in a Turkish restaurant in Sydney, but that's another story. Um, I certainly have I've had no bar experience previously, but you know we, we really care about our product, and so we care about every single pint that that goes out. We care about the food that goes out, and we care that people are comfortable. And it's not just a job to really to to any of us. I hope. Um, and then on top of that, we it's grown as a live music venue, and and the, whilst I think these last couple of years this hospitality crisis has been happening, and people have been 
pubs have been shutting left, right, centre. We've had craft breweries shut down left, right, centre. I think what what we've noticed that, of course, people have had far less money to spend on the luxury items and far less money to go out. So we've we would have regulars that were saying sometimes we'd see them three times a week. Now we might see them once a month. It's because everyone's feeling the squeeze. And so about two years ago, we set out to increase the pool of our customers by adding additional things like the live music. So we have like a blues night, we have a live jam night, we have a folk club, we have a traditional music session, which is the biggest gathering of traditional musicians in the whole of the north of England now. It's just grown and grown. Um, and it, to, to all of them, it, it's a home for at that time. It's a convivial, nice meeting space that's completely informal. And the food is that as well. The food, you know, we were very adamant that um, it would always be an informal dining experience. I hate going into a pub and you see cutlery there on the table set. And it's like, you can't sit there. That's a, that's a restaurant table. It's like, it's not a restaurant, mate. It's a pub, you know. Mm. And and so for us, if you want food and you're here, great, have it. You don't. So what? People sit at the bar with the burger and stuff like that completely informally or they bring the kids in and they have coloring books there and they sit and chill in the corner and then the live music's happening in the other room and it's so it all kind of works together to be a very informal space that makes people feel welcome i think anyway well the great the great thing about that is you know you're serving all your own products and you know that's that's the that's the apart from it sounds amazing but also you know you're serving your your product to a wider audience and as we know 99% of hospitality spaces, they're trying to sell someone else's products and it's a different concept. So, yeah, yeah. We, we only thing we sell of other people is, you know, like, um, like, and everything we sell is independent. So it's like independent soft drinks yeah. or spirits or, or yeah. from family vineyards for the wine to, to, or the cider is just from North Yorkshire. And, and so it kind of complements that where people come in, oh, can I have a Coke? I'm like, well, we don't have that, but we got this. So, you know, can I have a Smirnoff? No, but you know something like that. There's this, and and so it means it means again we're in control of the whole experience, yeah. and you know and it, it is a premium place. It is it is, but I guess the whole world is getting expensive. I would say we're no more expensive than going for a night out in Durham, as it were. An opportunity may present itself actually for us. Uh, yeah. we're, we're big. We're big non-league football fans. Myself and Jamie, we support uh, Bolper Town FC, who happened to be in the same league as Newton Aycliffe. Oh no way! We played. Yeah. You came down. You came down and played us recently. Beat us three four. And in fact, oh, you sorry about that. And um, yeah, you haven't won a game away from home all season until you played us. Um, but I think you've invested in your team. And the return fixture is the twenty seventh of January. So um, there may be an opportunity for us to kind of. It's a bit of a way to go, but uh, yeah. it may be something that we can work on the logistics. Yeah. What what day is that? Is that Saturday? It's Saturday. It's a Saturday, twenty seventh of January. It is the day when we're supposed to actually have a beer night with yourself. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah I told you yet, Paul. But, but yeah, I've just been stitched up here, but I do enjoy football, so that's okay. Um, you, well, there, there is not close to the football ground. Very close is oh. a, there's a Premier Inn, uh, um, and you're you're only about you're only about 10 15 minute walk from the brewery 1.4 miles i've had a look <laughs> <laughs> ah, i walk I've fast <laughs> i've got to look at the it's, distance the, there is but that well that's by road but if you it walk went for a park you kind of went through some green space and then kind of yeah cut yeah, through yeah. a certain space yeah there is there's a, there's a secret cut yeah i'll guide yeah. you yeah definitely you should come i'll look after you i'll make sure i'm working that night and i'll look after you <laughs> well we'll see if we can uh, make that happen i don't know 
Well, but um, yeah, we we're talking about going to more away games, weren't we? Yeah, we were, and then, and then yeah, just as soon as that, that came up, and it was like, hmm, haven't spoken with Kathy yet, though. <laughs> if, if you listen to the podcast, Kathy, I apologise if I've uh, <laughs> gone away from that. <laughs> really? yeah. let's make that movie happen yeah. um, we've got some brewery ask the brewery questions so we went across social media and we Ooh. asked um, we, we mentioned that we've got you on a podcast we've got a couple of questions um, I think this is a good time to ask those now yeah um, right well we talked about styles emerging from the craft beer scene um, what do you think is the most overrated asked Jezza New England IPAs. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it already. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say why I think that. Like, yeah. Um, so there's well, a lot of a, you, to to get. Uh, I I love making all beer, right? And I, I do I do drink hazy IPAs, but I do get very fatigued by them. But um, I'm also quite sensitive to calcium chloride in water, and um, it. I don't know if it's the way I drink. I'm like a cereal sipper, okay? And I go mm, yum 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 yum. And actually, what what the levels of calcium chloride do is that they, they physically make me cough. So if I'm sat there drinking nippers, I end up with a. I'm just like, <laughs> and it reminds me of when I was a chemistry teacher, just walking into the chemical cupboard at work. Um, and but that's necessary to get the kind of pillowy, kind of the fruitiness. It reduces the kind of sharpness and the bitterness of the beer, and that that's the way it is. But but for for me, most beer should be refreshing unless it's been really decadent. Mm-hmm. you know do you know what i mean like i think i think you know a lager is refreshing an english beer is refreshing you know a, a, a dryer stout it's refreshing a saison it's refreshing a belgian triple you know duvel it's eight percent it's refreshing okay or unless you're being naughty in which case it should be like a port it should be like an imperial stout or quadruple you know that you can never say they're refreshing but by god they're great in front of the fire and for me new england ipas i don't find them refreshing i i, I find them i find them I, I guess, but I never liked fruit juice. I only ever drank water and beer and posh tea. <laughs> so it just doesn't quite work with my palate. Well, there we go. We found out it was brought upon juice and uh, beer. So that, that's the <laughs> yeah. reason. Um, the next one, you kind of obviously you've mentioned several things in relation to this question. But just as an overview, uh, what's your ambition as a brewery going forward? I don't have any ambition to grow bigger than we are now. I, I find... Um, I find the bigger I get, the more it distracts me from the things that I love doing, like the creative aspect of brewing. You know, we 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 kind of oscillated into a bigger staff base over the last few years. We have dropped, dipped a little slightly, but um, I've realised I'm not a good manager of people. I'm more of a kind of mad creative person. Visionary. From... You're a visionary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm more of a visionary. And the idea of growing for the sake of growing for faceless shareholders that we don't have just doesn't doesn't appeal to me and um you know i call on this business with my wife she's in charge of hospitality i'm in charge of brewing we have two kids and so it's kind of like we're like passing ships in the night sometime um and so i want to get the brewery to a sustainable location that we um that it, it doesn't need to it doesn't need to grow it doesn't need to evolve but and and part of that is doubling down on our focus to the consumer which you know from a blunt monetary perspective it maximizes profit but it it's it's more rewarding it's ultimately so much more rewarding so like fellowship of beer is that extension of that task to it's an extension of the task to produce eclectic beer um and so 
so the ambition of the brewery is really just to to carry on making amazing beers and never sacrificing that for a supermarket deal or anything like that nothing nothing in that way shape or form has any appeal to me at all you've been very clear you're sort of in the middle of a journey uh, which sounds very exciting you know one thing we're getting from from this is you know you're in the middle of something which is yes which is fantastic to hear um just a quick note on brandy i think we already mentioned is your bottle slightly different to a regular bottle so most of our bottles that we've been doing recently have been three seven five mil champagne but they're like a half champagne bottle right Um, so the top is different they're not crown cap is it it's not whether your normal size cap it's slightly different it's a yeah it's a I'm terrible at numbers. Are terrible. <laughs> My size background. I'm, I'm good at spreadsheets. It's it's like a 26 mil versus an 18 mil right. crown cap. So yes, it's like an extra large crown cap. Yeah, yeah. And then for for those people that are watching, which is nobody, I've got my steam machine T-shirt on. That's um, amazing. Why didn't it, I wear mine? It kind of features a guy in a hammock, and there's, and there's not much steam machiney. It's more like someone's relaxing on this T-shirt. So what's the background to that? So there was um, there was various machines of early steam machine. There was like a train. There was um, one of my favourites is uh, was a submarine. Um, there was an airship and the submarine. But what, what you're looking at is the submarine has shipwrecked, and it's actually ah. there's actually bits of the submarine sinking in the water. Um, if you have the two designs side by side. And um, it was actually, that was originally a design for a beer we had called Coconut Chocolate Porter that won a couple of camera awards, yeah, in the bag. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, we don't have the best working relationship with camera. Um, But it was was originally designed for that. We wanted something that was that said tropical and coconutty. And then we loved it so much, we kind of kept it for various beers that we had. And then also we just made it out here that you've been involved in an art festival as well oh that's right yes yeah yeah so that was that was uh it was an art exhibition is it an exhibition i don't know art people have like certain words for things and i don't want to say the wrong thing it was uh it was yeah say again sorry was it happening was it happening no that they call things like happenings or installations or things like that yeah it was like yeah it was this thing it was a thing like that it was an installation um and um, we, in fact, so the poster you can see in the background, our artist developed some like big artworks based off based off our bottle artwork, and the exhibition was called the Art of Brewing. Um, and so one of our one of our you know good customers, um, who lived away used to live away in Belgium, he put it together, um, and he did homebrewing demonstrations he built a little bar it's homage to steam machine um with uh with pallet wood and things like that um and then we we also had a tasting evening as part of that and we also made some videos for it so yeah it was quite an interesting exciting thing to do it was very different really it was it was something that this art center had never seen before So we've just got a few more sort of general questions. Yeah, so we do, uh, as, as Nick been sent things in Yes, advance. I've sent, yeah, I've so, sent you. Um, we always do our, our quick fire round, which never ends up being 
Um, quick. I can see we've only got eight minutes on this call. So yeah, yeah, there's there's neither it's neither quick nor nor any fire. But um anyway, uh, it might be this time. Um so the first question is is what was your biggest influence on your on your brewery? It's I think I I know, I know I did read the questions. I did read them. <laughs> but <laughs> it's such a it's such a hard, it's such a hard question to answer. And and I think the biggest influence was um, was being abroad uh, and seeing these family vineyards and things like that, and 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 wanting to carve out a, a something that we were doing ourselves. And then when I was start taking my whole brewing really seriously to level it up, I used to watch this YouTube channel called Brewing TV that doesn't exist anymore. But basically, it was a, it was an American homebrew channel by Northern Brewer. And um, there was there were three bre- three guys on that. There was Chip Walton, there was um, Michael. Oh, I can't remember his name, which is bad because he's the best one. Um, <laughs> there was another guy called Jake Keeler, uh, Michael Dawson, Michael Dawson, American brewer, and he was a really good presenter. And they were mainly focused on the Minneapolis brewing scene, and we were seeing all these amazing craft breweries. Like, and this was over 10 years ago and the episodes were five years ago so this is at the america 15 years ago and the amazing beers that were just in their local scene that they were walking to and that was the real inspiration really seeing what was happening in america without being there yeah. and um just thinking that's what we we want to be doing this this is this is our home this is what we want awesome um so next question uh what, what's the what's the best beer by your brewery Ah, so whichever one's in my hand at the time. I know it's a cop out answer, but um, just I, I love it's like picking your favorite child, isn't it? You know? I, I think it's difficult. I think you've got like 243 beers on untapped or something. Oh, so. do we? That's quite yeah, a lot. I, I, think, I, think <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, yeah, 240 odd. So it's not like you've got 10 core beers you can choose from, is it really? It, it would it would depend what mood I was in. It would depend what mood I was in. I, yeah. I, I do absolutely for draft I love I love our lager. Um I think it's really good. I think where we excel at is um thinking outside the box, like you said, the the red wine and chocolate, um, and especially especially with the barrels. So you, earlier you were drinking the Saison Tempranillo. I've, I've um, here, yeah. have, well, we, we have the Saison the the Riesling, which was the same beer, but in the the Riesling the the, the Riesling barrel and that developed flavors of apricots and hay, and it was magnificent. And I think that's one of the best beers I've, I've ever made. I just loved it. Okay, I we'll drank that is your answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so, uh, question number three um, uh, outside of your own, what, have, you, have you got a favorite brewery that you, you can't help keep returning to? I mean, it's hard. That is a hard question. Um, I, I love Belgian beer, and um, there is a brewery in Belgium called Dominic Haynes that a friend, you can't buy it in England, my friend who works in Germany, um, every time he drives through Belgium, picks me up some bottles of this, and they produce these incredible triples and quadruples that have these amazing pear flavours. I, I love, and I, I do absolutely love Belgian beer, but I've got such a wide taste. Like, I've got, you know, I've got 
Green King Strong Suffolk Ale, which is a, a English brewing heritage that, you know, this beer's made of aged for over two years and they release it once in a blue moon. It's a wonderful, magnificent beer. So my my tastes vary massively as opposed as to, you know, a favorite UK craft brewery. I don't know, like everyone's on such a different path. It's kind of it's kind of hard for me, hard for me to answer that question. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Um <laughs> Thirds, halves, two-thirds, or pints? Depends on the beer. Pints of quaffing lager. And then I'll be I'm not gonna lie, actually. It'll be it'll be two-thirds imperial stouts. Yeah, two-thirds of pints. <laughs> yeah, happy days. <laughs> um and, and again, I think you're gonna find this one a challenge, but but um have, have you got a favorite style of beer? Um again, it does depend what mood I'm in. Um, but the Belgian triples to strong golden ales, as it were, in Belgian and, and quadruples. I, I I love them so much. But Belgian beer brewing is very much linked to British brewing. Um and um in terms of the yeast and stuff like that, but but they they have some big it's almost like we went off on slightly different tangents. And the stuff with the sterification and fermentation temperature that just, you know, are amazing from 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 what happens to Belgian beers. I do come back to things like Shoof endlessly. Um, I could just, you know, drink that forever if I wasn't in a coma. <laughs> yes, <it were. laughs> I love that. Strong uh, beer. And then always, always chuck this one in just as another one. Have, have you got a particular favourite hop? Um, yes. It's called Muterra, but I'm not from New Zealand, so I'm have butchered that. And it's from the Upper Muterra Valley, which is where most hops come from, which is in the north of South Island, which is not only a stunningly beautiful place that we drove through and camped and saw the hops growing, but we were we bumped into a Charles Farham hop salesperson um, at a festival many moons ago. We said, have you got anything interesting? Have you got anything good? He said, so I've got this one hop called Mutia, Mutare, something like that. And no one wants to buy it. And like, no, it is. I've only got like 15 kilogram of it. I was like, what is it? He says, I don't know, but it's kind of got like these nectarine peachy flavors. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. We'll have it. So as far as I'm aware, we were the first brewery in the UK <laughs> to ever use this hop. And we made a beer with it called Where the Oceans Meet, which is named after uh, Kip Rianga in in New Zealand where the Tasman Sea meets the Pacific Ocean and it's where the souls of the Maori dead are meant to disappear off to the off to the ancestral homeland. Um and we've used this hop whenever we could get hold of it because it wasn't one that they all constantly stocked. Now quite a few people do use it. But for me it just gives this amazing nectarine flavour. And I love New Zealand hops anyway. I think they're so elegant and delicate, but still give incredible fruit flavors that you can use in literally any type of IPA beer. You could use it in a West Coast alongside some more aggressive ones. You could use it in a New England um, and it would give some lovely fruit flavors. You can just stick that wherever you like and you will get this elegant, nectarine, oozery, gorgeous hop. So, yes, Muterra is my undoubtedly favorite hop. That's amazing. And I just say, because you did mention I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, at the moment, I am drinking. Um, the barrel age says on um, uh, temper was it tempranillo tempranillo yeah. um, and it is absolutely delicious um, and what I think is great is it, it's um, it, it's funky but not overly funky 
Um, it's, it's okay, but what's surprising is he's got is is really quite flavorful, but yet really easy drinking at the same time. Um, and yeah, yes, yeah, an absolutely cracking, cracking beer, and it's got a little vinous quality to it as well, which is um, which is amazing. So yeah, highly recommended for. But again, I guess it's probably that's that's probably all gone, isn't it? There's probably none. none there is some of that. There is some of that left. Not much, but there is some of that left. Um, the. And we have brewed it again in uh, to age in some different barrels. So there'll be a red grape one, which was aged in the same barrel as that, but with extra red grapes coming out very, very soon. So yeah, yes, there are more beans. That's good. Like that. We've picked one. But there is another version of that's great. That's great. <laughs> Just to, just to finish up, uh, Nick, absolutely fantastic uh, talking to you. Um, thanks for your time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to sort of mention or just anything, anything you want to drop in just at the end of the episode? Uh, just like, just thanks for having me, really. And, uh, you know, thanks for to your audience for listening to me whittle on about beer. But, <laughs> <laughs> I was like... And um, yeah, that's that's it really. And if if they do want to check out the fellowship of beer, uh, we would be delighted. Every everyone's welcome. No no color, no creed. You know, no level of knowledge required uh, at all. You know, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a it's a very good mix so far. So well, how do you, a bit of admin here? How do you actually? You mentioned a forum. So fellowship of beer get access to a forum. Is it like Discord so we, or something like that? How do you how do you communicate? Discord's a good idea. It's something we're looking at. At the moment, I've, we've just set up a private Facebook group. Um, okay. And it, fortunately, everyone everyone had it. Yeah. Um, but in the future, it'd be nice to look at something that is more dedicated, like a Discord or something that we could have rolling chats on as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, but I'm hoping as well, by the time we get to our 450 people, that we'll also have um, kind of, people self-appointed self-experts that do that yeah leave that to exactly. me exactly exactly yeah. you know that's the whole point of a community isn't it you know i'll, I'll bring i'll bring the brewing knowledge and someone yeah. else can uh bring the forum tech <laughs> when you bring the beers and the rest can sort out the party exactly exactly that's my modus operandi <laughs> <laughs> no well yeah thanks again nick very gentle with your time really appreciate it um is there any people can get your beers locally or is there anywhere that you kind of recommend if they want to kind of hit up and get some is it the web shop the best place to go yeah web shop and sign up to our newsletter um and if you're flying up the air one please jump in it yeah. just even if even if it's not when the opening times are we've generally have a unwritten rule that if the doors open come in and buy beer um you know people call by and grab pints or the you know people swing by and get bottles when, when we're brewing and sweeping yeah. floors booking out toilets and everything else so we're, we're always everyone's always welcome thank you thanks nick for an extensive and amazing interview now we know a lot more about steam machine and their incredible subscription model of the fellowship of beer look out for that soon also if you like this podcast check us out on all the usual podcast places and subscribe or look us up on instagram or twitter aka x at belper beer club 
or our website, belperbeer.club. Until next time, see ya.